Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Decrypt.co, this is Matthew Aaron. Today on the show, report questions Uniswap token distribution to team and investors. Hacker saves $10 million in Ethereum from inevitable theft. And in our main story, we talked to Viracoin and Virium's founder, Mr. Doug Pike, about small cap coins and their future. Coming up on the Decrypt Daily. TGIF, everybody, TGIF, Friday, September 25th, 2020. Welcome back to the show, and I hope you're going to have a great weekend. If I forget to tell you later, have a great weekend. Relax, switch off your devices. And spend some time with your loved ones. Me personally, I have no plans for this weekend. I'm probably going to start working on this project that I always wanted to get started. After a phone call tonight, it's going to dictate how I'm going to move forward. But after that, I have nothing to do. I'm probably going to watch a couple movies. I love movies. I should have actually a podcast discussing movies. Uh, probably the B movies on Amazon or Netflix because that's what I've been watching lately. And don't judge me for watching a movie every night. That's just how I chill. That's how I relax. That's how I get my day done. That's my nightcap. And let's hope we're going into the weekend with good crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. And I'm recording this at 10.45 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. A little earlier than I usually do it, but I have things to do this afternoon, so I won't be able to record and release this afternoon. So I'm going to release this early. Bitcoin is in at $10,617, down half a percent from about 20 hours ago yesterday. Ethereum, 344.64, down half a percent. Litecoin 4584 up 2% from yesterday. Chainlink 979 up 5% from yesterday and XRP 23.7 cents up 2.5% from yesterday. Total market cap for all the cryptocurrency is 336.6 billion dollars and Bitcoin dominance is 58.3%. How many pages have you ventured back on CoinMarketCap or CoinGecko or wherever you look at your crypto prices? Two pages, three pages, rank number 50, 100, 200. What about 1,100? Have you been that far back? Well, there's a lot of coins back there, a lot of interesting projects back there that don't get the recognition because they are not doing much. There's not high prices. They're low market cap. They don't have much volume. But they could have been around since 2012, 13, or 14. And just keep on plugging away, doing their thing. And I bet you're asking a couple questions. Why do people care about these projects? What are they doing to innovate? If they have no liquidity, how can I cash out? Are these projects even viable for the future? Is their ideas still sound and valid? Well, that's why I had Mr. Doug Pike on. Doug has two coins in around that rank 1000 range or so. And we're going to talk about his project that's been going on for quite some time and how he feels his projects are becoming more and more relevant. Enjoy. Thank you for having me, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're, as everybody should know, if they've been listening to my shows in the past, that me and you are old friends already. And we made a deal that if you released a new wallet for your coin, Virium, 
I would have you back on the show. And you did that. So I had to keep up my end of the bargain. Yeah, I really appreciate it. It was a long time coming, porting uh, Varium onto the new Bitcoin core code base. It was a lot of work and uh, from, from a bunch of people, and we finally crossed the finish line. So we're really happy about it. But I'm not actually going to talk to you about Vir- Virium and Viracoin. I've, I've talked to you about that blue in the face. What I really want to talk to you today about is small cap coins. Look, you've been around in this space for a minute. You started with Viracoin, then it went to Virium. You've seen all the evolution of the space. And yet your community and your coin, through, through thick and thin, is still holding on to some, what I want to say, hope that your project, and don't take me the wrong way here, is relevant still in the space. Can you do us a favor? Describe your project and why is it still relevant if it is still relevant and what makes you think it is still relevant? Okay, so we have a paired currency reserve system where our reserve is a POW and our currency is a proof of stake currency that has starting in 2015, 16, when we released the new protocol, a lot of the features that proof of stake coins are only getting now. And we have POW that is actually most efficient on an ARM device, which basically no one has. We're bridging the two currencies together into an ecosystem that we can develop third-party decentralized apps that utilize both chains and interweaves both chains for different types of utilities such as trading decentralized trading and other things the space every bull market or pre-bull market as we kind of are in right now generates some new buzzword generates some new way of people setting up get rich quick schemes and 99 percent of those fail and lose people money And meanwhile, we keep innovating at the protocol level, at the technological level, ultimately to make a well-rounded product, sort of inspired by, say, like Apple and Amazon. We're focused on the long term, um, and we don't really care about the fly-by-nights because most of them are going to fail anyway. I guess what I'm asking with this is like, look, you're a currency coin. Why do we need a currency coin anymore? Do you still believe that a currency digital asset like Virium, Bitcoin, Litecoin is actually still relevant to what cryptocurrency is going to be used for in the future? Nobody's buying Starbucks with Bitcoin. Why would they use Virium? To me, it's the only thing that is relevant, man. I mean, if you have a digital stock that's decentralized, yeah, okay. I mean, do people really need that? No. Do you, if you have a digital asset that's quote unquote decentralized, do people really need that? No. Do people in countries around the world need a decentralized currency that can't be just printed to hell when a virus hits and that is a implicit tax on the people and they're not aware of it? Yes, everyone needs that. So to me, it's all the other stuff that is mostly meaningless. What do you mean the other stuff that's mostly meaningless? You think that DeFi, whatever they are, I don't even know what they are. Tell me what DeFi is, man. (laughs) Ooh, hey, I'm editing this out. (laughs) (laughs) Joking, joking, joking. No, good good point. I mean, look, I was just interviewing somebody the other day that was talking about an IMO, which is an initial Mooney coin offering, uh, offering a way to do an IEO, initial exchange offering, which is a, 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 an evolution of the ICO, initial coin offering, but on DEXs. 
So yes, I get it, dude. There, everybody's has this new get rich quick scheme in the crypto space, but we still have to be relevant with our technology and our innovation. No, I mean, if it's not relevant and why, I, this is why I really want to talk to you about was small caps, right? Like, like your coin or other coins like yours, uh, Vertcoin or what have you. Yeah. Like why, why, why your coins and not say Bitcoin? Bitcoin is already there. Bitcoin's king. Okay, so techn technological relevance. So in terms of our core blockchain code base, we're updated to Bitcoin core blockchain code base 0.19. So we're within like a year of the BTC core development in terms of our core blockchain. In terms of our protocol, like I said, no one has an effective ARM efficient CPU mining algorithm. Now you can imagine the utility of this. If people actually mine and do mine sharing, which is a, another aspect of this, on their phones, they, they do decentralized pool mining on their phones of a mining algorithm that is most efficient on an ARM chip. This is technologically cutting edge. In terms of like moving with the space, to me, the space is, is, is mostly hype, man. It's not I mean, I, I think that the fundamentals of the space haven't really changed and the hype goes in, in waves and cycles. In terms of our market cap, to me, what matters is do we have users? We have more users than we've ever had. Um, you know, there's been peaks, obviously, that we're not at right now. But like net user growth is up. Net community involvement is up. Net development volunteer is up. Those are the metrics that matter to me. And in terms of market cap, I mean, when you're not new, you lose that shiny object gloss and you actually have to work. And, um, and that's what we've been doing. So all these projects that everyone thinks are the new awesome thing, 99% of them are going to die because they're not going to actually do work once the shine wears off. Mm, mm, good point. I, I want to touch on what you were talking about with ARM and CPU mining. And this is a, a very, we've, we go, we, me and you go back, way back. And we've always talked about CPU mining. I have my own opinions about CPU mining, but I want you to tell me why CPU mining and why is that important to not use ASICs and GPUs? And is it ASIC GPU resistant? Is that what you're saying? So there's no such thing as you can't use an ASIC or you can't use a GPU. And all there is, is a spectrum of resistance. And we are extremely resistant to ASICs because we require 128 megabytes per hash per core. So um, the cost of creating an ASIC is insane. It doesn't make sense. GPUs are gaining more and more memory and still you can only use after Varium mining algorithm has been out since 2016. And so we're four years into it being in the wild and still you have to cripple a GPU to limit the cores enough that you're not consuming all the the video memory per hash. So so you you can use a GPU. It's it has to be crippled though. You have to use like 10% of the number of processors that it has and then you're talking about wasting energy because it's not designed to run like that plus an ex it's an expensive device whereas for instance arm devices are super cheap they use almost no power and they easily come with uh, enough memory to run you know, like they have eight core now uh, ARM devices that do a decent job. Let me, let me, let me try to put this into an analogy. Are you trying to say that this is kind of like using a 
using a semi truck to pull your kid in a wagon. It's just overkill. And there's no reason to buy a $200,000 semi truck to pull your kid in a wagon because you're just wasting your money. Yeah. So we, so basically we've designed it such that you have to, the upfront cost makes it impractical. Um, and you're going to, you're, you're going to be outcompeted by people using arm devices. Long story short. Got it. Got it. So why does that, why should we care? There's many arm and CPU processor manufacturers around the world. The CPU uh, industry is constantly evolving and new competitors are coming in. Arms didn't exist on the mainstream market seven years ago, something like that. Um, so the, the market's constantly shifting, targeting a mainstream audience. There's a lot of competition. There's not Bitmain picking a coin, a flavor of Bitcoin that they think is best and giving you discounts for buying the hardware that you can only buy from them that's cutting edge for mining Bitcoin and all this stuff. You, can, you can't corner the mining market in a CPU mind algorithm. And does that, and what does that do? I mean, so well, again, that I understand that, that what does it do? A small number of people from taking control of the network or forking the network or splitting Bitcoin up into a million different derivatives. BTC is maintaining itself, but did it lose a significant percentage of its users when it split to BCH because of Bitmain and other groups that had outweighted manipulation of the market capability? Yes. Um, and then it split again um, and, and, and so on and so forth. I think that the CPU mining algorithm is more suitable for long-term decentralization. It's less susceptible to centralization by a small number of companies. Let me, let me, let me ask you about, okay, how do you think of your project? Do you think that people should look at it as a bet for technology in the future, an investment for both, for trading? How do you think that your coin or projects should be used? Primarily, our community is composed of miners that like to use ARM devices to mine and stakers that like to earn passive income on a proof of stake blockchain that's been running for a significant amount of time. And it's not like being tested in the wild within the last year or so. So primarily, it's miners and stakers that we have in our community. But ultimately, I'm not asking anyone to do anything. If we do our job right, you will mine Varium with your phone, or you will stake Veracoin with your phone or your computer. And we will have decentralized third-party applications that actually go mainstream. So to me, it's, it's, it's all about the long-term end game. I don't care about the speculation markets, really. You did mention in there passive income. One thing you need to do to have passive income is to have an off-ramp. Uh, your off-ramp has been restricted because of uh, trading volume or what have you. You are only listed on Livecoin right now with uh, for both your coins, Viracoin and Virium. And I heard you're getting delisted from Bittrex. That's why I say only Livecoin. Mm -hmm. that, that really hinders the ability to, you know, one trade or people to uh, cash their out their investments or to yeah. make passive income that, that seems like a big problem regarding bitrix we are in talks with them we're negotiating with them about what their minimum volume requirements are coming out of the bear market blah 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 blah, blah and they're giving us leeway because we've we're such an established project um so we're not technically going to be delisted yet uh we're in negotiations and they've extended uh, our, our time on the exchange. Regarding Livecoin, um, I don't know much about the exchange. We've been on it for a while. It does have USDT pairings of both, which you can easily then 
you know, exchange for dollars in different places. I mean, that's the point of it. And to be honest, the only coins that have direct fiat uh, cash outs are super high volume coins that, you know, are different than ours. So yeah, I mean, you could direct cash out ETH, BTC, the a couple of the the Bitcoin derivatives and a few others. But if you want to get involved in a currency that's doing something different that people aren't necessarily hyping over at this particular moment and has more potential value growth over time, then you can't have a fiat pair. You'll never you'll never buy a coin early, let's say, that already has a fiat pair. If it has a fiat pair, you're too late. <laughs> Good point. Good point. The reason why I'm asking all these questions about the infrastructure, and we're talking about the technological infrastructure, we're talking about the exchange infrastructure, is I'm trying to get at the viability of these projects to to be valuable in terms of use cases in the future. Yeah. There are there are thousands of crypto projects out there. Some of them have died and we don't know they died because they're still trading on exchanges somehow and they have value so they haven't been kicked off. There's thousands of projects out there. Yeah. How do you envision the consumer the, to have the knowledge and the the foresight to look at these projects and see what's going to happen in the future and how do you distinguish between the hype and the, what you said is something shiny in the space mm-hmm. that they are not going to be it. I guess what I'm, at, I'm asking and what I'm trying to boil this down to is there's coins out, out there on the space that are long lasting coins that aren't seemingly doing anything. And how do you find those and how do you know which ones are going to be there in the future and have a team that's still working with them? Obviously, the like mainstream consumer is evolving in, in terms of technology. I mean, the mainstream consumer didn't have the internet in their pocket in the early 2000s. You know, the mainstream consumer evolves, but I think it's the onus is primarily on the developers and the designers of cryptocurrency projects to make to meet the needs of the mainstream user. And I don't think anyone has actually done that yet. Like if I thought that BTC or any other coin was in an account of the vast majority of every industrialized uh, citizen's wallet, you know, then I would say, okay, yeah, it's going to be really hard to enter this market. It's already saturated. But that's not the case. I think there's maybe, I don't know what the current numbers are, they're far less than a billion. They're probably on the order of like 100 million cryptocurrency users, ma- like active users max, I would I would estimate. Um, so there is uh, billions of users that have their needs have not been met in terms of them seeing the, the value and the and the use cases firsthand. I would say it's a jump ball still. And it's mostly on the projects themselves to do two things. One is develop a technology that can actually meet people where they are. And to me, that is like arm efficient mining, for example. And then on the other hand, develop a user interface, which we're still working through, um, for a smartphone app that meets them at a level that they're comfortable with and gives them an opportunity to take part in an economy that is liberated from implicit tax on the people via trillions of dollars in inflation in the last six months. You know, gold has doubled in value and not randomly. It's because USD has crashed. Mm, mm. To me, it's still a jump ball. 
the crypto market, like there's two worlds. There's the mainstream world and then there's the crypto world. In the crypto world, all that matters is the flavor of the day. In the mainstream world, they don't even know what any of this stuff is. They they don't still don't have a use case that is meaningful to them for the most part. So to me, no one has actually succeeded. My last question, Doug, is what do you think of the crypto space right now? I'm, I'm having deja vu and flashbacks and some PTSD from 2017, early 2018. Um, it, it, it keeps me up at night, man. I can't sleep, man. What are you seeing in this space right now when you see DeFi and these different like things coming out, these DEXs, uh, Uniswap, these food coins and crap like that? Okay. So I think that I'm, I'm glad that decentralized exchanges are actually becoming a thing because although, I mean, how decentralized they are is another matter, but at least the ball is rolling. I think that's a necessary element of all this. Um, you know, ultimately you don't want to, you know, as we've talked about years ago, you want to close the loop. You want to have merchant acceptance. You don't want to have to go out to fiat every time you need to use like your day-to-day costs with currency. So decentralized exchanges are a key element of that. So I think any development in decentralized exchange is good. There's a spectrum of decentralization and you know it needs to be done right. And it's going to be a process to figure that out, um, to balance the efficiency versus the decentralization. It used to be like shit coins and then it became tokens. And now it's DeFi something and they're like pseudo tokens or I don't know what they are. But like basically there's a lot of because the space is still largely unregulated, there is a lot of pump and dump scams, to be honest. And there is ways to dupe people with that shiny object gloss into buying as you on them and you say all these things that never actually come to fruition and some people make money and most people lose money. Um, and this is inevitable, I think. This is human nature to some extent. Yeah, to me, that's what mostly is going on. Um, so I probably sound more like a, 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 even though I'm not a Bitcoin maximalist, I sound a bit more like one in that most of the stuff that's going on is BS. And then there's some diamonds in the rough. In 2017, people were spending 50K to get onto an exchange that failed a month later. Guess what? That company that raised like $100 million blew it in like six months. You know, like that doesn't make sense either. Like they might have actually tried to not be scamming people, but ended up implicitly scamming people because they mismanaged things. We have had like zero costs since 2014. That's why we're still alive. That's why our community is still growing. Um, because we're we're going at a pace that is the pace of like an open source development community that's getting off the ground like in a grassroots way, but we're not going to you know the nicest hotel in Paris and and like talking about our product to ten people that will actually like access it. You know we're really trying to build something that will ultimately get into the hands of mainstream users. And it's a tall order. And like I said, nobody's actually done it. So um, to me, it's it's an open field. Right on, Doug Pike. Always a pleasure to talk to you. And um, well, I guess I'm going to see you back on the show sooner or later. Sounds good, man. Thanks, man. Thanks. And in other news, hacker saves $10 million in Ethereum from inevitable theft. A whitehead hacker discovered a vulnerability in an Ethereum smart contract that put nearly $10 million of F at risk. Woo! Overnight, a rescue team was organized to bring the funds out of harm's way. 
The effort united a team of blockchain security experts and miners from around the world. How much F is $10 million of F? Well, it's 25,000 F. 25,000. And so everybody who thinks they have a lot of F when they have maybe 10 or 12 or 100 in their wallet, imagine having 25,000 F. <laughs> and remember, F was a dollar at one point. You never know what you're hodling and where it can go. Speaking of platforms, IOHK has teamed up with the United Nations to offer a $10,000 bounty for sustainable blockchain projects that further the UN's goals. Potential candidates must use Cardano and be open source and scalable. Submissions will be judged using the IOHK's blockchain voting system, Catalyst. The UN's pivot on blockchain comes in the wake of growing recognition of the technology and its capabilities. In a recent report from the UN Task Force, it noted the potential for blockchain to improve the effectiveness and accountability in the use of funds. And finally, a new report questions Uniswap token distribution to the team and investors. Glassnode says Uniswap isn't being fully transparent about its token vesting process for its team members and investors, and says the storage method of UniToken essentially gives Uniswap admin the rights over the platform. The report does presume that Uniswap is acting in good faith as it seeks to gradually decentralize real governance. It urges Uniswap, however, to provide details about the vesting schedule for its uni governance tokens. So here's my two cents on the matter. A quote that I heard recently that I really like is never prescribe malice when incompetence can fully explain the situation. And this seems like that. It's probably just incompetence. They didn't think it through. Whoever is making Uniswap didn't think through the whole thing with transparency, investing, and how it needs to be rolled out in a way that ever makes everybody comfortable. So, yes, they're incompetent. Now, will they move from incompetence to malice? That is if they do not correct the situation right now. They have an ability to just say, okay, let's put all of our tokens transparent, make a vesting schedule, and make it open for everybody to audit and see and hold us to it or put it into a smart contract. Very simple fix. If they don't do it, it's malice. If they didn't do it, it's probably incompetence. So let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's see if they correct it. However, hold them to it. If there is any lack of transparency and if they just don't put their vesting schedule into a smart contract, then it's very apparent that they're trying to do something shady because why would they not just make it transparent and secure for everyone. Uniswap, do the right thing. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Irwin. I hope you have a great weekend. Oh, I said that before. Hey, I didn't forget. Send me an email if you want to talk, wrap out, give me questions, comments, MatthewAaron at DecryptMedia.com or MatthewAaron at Decrypt.co. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and share on Apple Podcasts. It helps us stay visible, and I really appreciate it. I'll see you Monday for more of the Decrypt Daily. Happy hodling.